So here in our second day, uh, I won't uh, rehearse much of what we went through yesterday because it was so depressing. And uh, it seems like depression is sort of a subject of conversation. I'm running on a pretty parallel tracks here. And we discussed uh, how to end these depressing situations by uh, how to become empowered to say this con and uh, sadhana as a political act. It's not a retreat from politics, it's the essence of all good politics. So the uh, uh, topic today now is the beginning of the discussion of of sadhana. Sadhana means progressing to a goal in Sanskrit. That's the meaning of the word. Progressing to a goal. It's our regular practice is, is sadhana. And as we saw from quotations from Prabhupada, he thought it was a necessary condition and almost the sufficient condition for almost everything uh, to work properly in our society. So what is good sadhana? I've thought about this a while and I've come up with a, a kind of a capsule definition. A sort of a sutra in the sense that you, you can unpack it. And you get it in a code and then you open it up. And it, so good sadhana uh, means uh, chanting the holy name while trying to give up offenses. That's the definition. Um, there's a process. Sadhana also means process, like a process to a goal. And this process is chanting the holy name while trying to give up offenses. You can chant the holy name without practicing sadhana. You say to anybody, hey, chant, be happy. But later on, one has to cultivate the holy name. The other word is culture, or cultivate. So what is that cultivation or that sadhana? It's chanting, but chanting while trying to give up offenses. And we want to get an insight into this uh, process. Uh, so we want to understand this process properly and this understanding will help us very much in applying it properly. Um, so that's what we want to gain is an understanding of what it means how to cultivate the holy name successfully. Uh, and I think understanding the process can answer the question or misgivings that, that we may have. It's important uh, uh, there are obstacles on the road to success in Krishna consciousness and one of the obstacles is the doubt or misgiving. Is Krishna consciousness actually doable? Uh, is it practical? Uh, we in America we now say doable. But the word is, uh, the traditional word is practical. Can it be done? Uh, and in general, can it be done? And in particular, can it be done by me? <laughs> to, bring it, to bring it home. Because if we think that it's not doable, if it's not practical, or if it's not something I can practice, then, then we'll be discouraged from pursuing this. And at the first sign of difficulty, well, we may not even start. And at the first sign of difficulty, we may quit. But if I think we understand the process, we will understand, uh, is it doable? Um, uh, it'll, and it'll answer certain questions. Is One is, why have senior or advanced practitioners fallen down? That's one of the huge doubts. That, as Prabhupada says somewhere in one purport, many stalwart devotees have become casualties uh, so he's noted that uh, if you go back in our history you'll see almost right from the beginning 
there were the, the sons of Advaitacharya who went off in one direction. There was Rupa Kaviraj, who was, uh, it's not a, a new thing at all. Um, it, was a, it was a shock for me to find out that there's a, a highly authorized book called Krishna Bhajanamrita by Narahari Sakar. Narahari Sakar was a very close associate of Lord Chaitanya, and part of this book conceals, uh, 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 deals with what to do when spiritual masters have problems and fall down and things like that. And uh, Narahari Sakar says, this is the common practice. These are the things that were practiced at this time. Well, this is just directly after, after Lord Chaitanya. You know, so it, 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 it has happened. Uh, so uh, the best thing to do is to try to find out why it has happened. Um, I mean, sometimes big generals lose wars, and, uh, and the, the, the people in the future study those to see what <laughs> what's to be done so they can improve. So. Uh, uh, we need to know this. It's not just uh, for no reason that these things happen. So this will help us understand why it happens, and of course, it'll answer the question: How can I? What can I do? The practical question to prevent my own falling down, and uh, understand that even if they fail, failed, I can succeed. Um, so a little, there has to be a little theoretical basis for why, why we need a process altogether. And we have some verses about, about the Holy Name that are on page 5. The first one, uh, I've taken it from Majalila, where it's quoted. Uh, these first two verses, Namachintamani Krishnas, uh, and... Uh, and the next one, Atasi Krishna Namadi, Rayam Indriyai. They're both taken from Majalila, same, almost the same place. But actually, it's uh, interesting. You that they both are, are in quoted by by uh, Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and they're right next to each other. This is the sequence in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So the first one. Nama Chintamani Krishna's Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Purna Shudo Nityamukto Abhinatva Nama Namaha. This describes the actual holy name as he, and we have to use a personal pronoun here, as he really is. Huh? The, uh, he translates the word Chintamani, uh, the transcendentally blissful giver of all spiritual benediction. <coughs> Know, the Chintamani is the philosopher's stone that produces infinite wealth. So, by comparison, the holy name is like that, like this Chintamani, or it actually maybe the stone is named after the name, but anyway, it gives all spiritual benedictions. And then when it says Nama Chintamani Krishnas, in other words, it is Krishna. Krishnas the nominative case of Krishna. Chaitanya rasa vigraha. It is the vigraha of all spiritual rasas. The form of all... So every rasa that's there, Akira rasa mrita murti is the, what Krishna is, the reservoir of all rasas. And actually, so is the holy name. It's the form in which you will find all spiritual rasas. The holy name is Purna. Perfect and complete, as says in the Ishopanishad. Shuddha, completely pure. Nitya mukta, eternally or perpetually transcendental or liberated. So then you say, why does this name have all these interesting characteristics? Abhinatvat, nama, namanaha. On account of the abhinat means there's no difference, non-difference. So abhinatva. Twa is a Sanskrit suffix that means, like in English, N-E-S-S. Uh, because of non-differentness, <laughs> there's no difference, nama, namanaha, between the name and that which is named. Uh, that's why the holy name has all these characteristics, abhinatva, nama, namanaha. Hmm? 
So this is the holy name. If the holy name is actually experienced directly as it is, then you will see Krishna in front of you in full manifestation. So it's clear that there's a problem if we do not see Krishna in front of us, that we are not yet, uh, we are not experiencing the actual holy name. So that's why this next text, which is, I said, right after, right after the, the, this text in Bhakti Rasamudra Sindhu, Atta, therefore, <laughs> therefore, uh, now, because you, you're going to wonder now, uh, why, why am I not understanding this? Well, therefore, we can understand, Atta Sri Krishna Namadi, that Krishna's uh, nam, name, etc., and so on. But the, the, the actual sequence is Nama, Rupa, Guna, and Leela. That's what's meant by that, etc., uh, that and so on. That, and according to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, this is the sequence in which Krishna becomes <coughs> revealed to the devotee. First, the name is revealed. Nam, then Rupa, Krishna's form, then Guna, Krishna's transcendental qualities, and then finally Lila, Krishna's pastimes and relationships. That's the sequence by which the holy name opens up uh, when practiced. Uh, uh, that they, they, but these uh, Krishna's name and so on. Nabaved grayam indriyai cannot be grayam perceived or really grasped, really grasped by the indriya, our material instruments. As it says, indriya just means senses, but here it means the materially contaminated <coughs> senses. In other words, we can say the name, but we will not grasp or perceive the name. <coughs> we can look at Krishna's form and the deity will not see uh, the transcendental form of Krishna. Well, maybe, depends on us, but if uh, our senses are materially contaminated, nope, disqualified. Sevan muke i jiva dao swayam evas jataha. However, if these senses, sevan uh, unmuka, so it's to, it means actually a person who has engaged in his service, uh, uh, beginning with the tongue, jiva means tongue. Notice there's a little h in there, ha jiva, not jiva, but jiva. This uh, uh, um, that means the tongue. Prabhupada said once in a lecture, "You'll be surprised to find out that spiritual life begins with the tongue." The tongue is the most difficult sense. Anyway, we, so this is the, the, for senses it means tongue, etc. So all the senses ultimately have to be engaged, but the sequence begins with the tongue. The tongue, interestingly enough, uh, you, you are, the, 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 the word indriya uh, means um, there's two sets of, of uh, of indriya, the, the gyanindriya, the ones for acquiring information or knowledge of the world, and karmindriya, the ones that we act back on the world. Um, uh, since they use, usually when we say senses in the West, we mean the five knowledge acquiring instruments, the, the sense of hearing, sense of taste, sense of touch, sense of smell, sense of sight. When they say Indriya in Sanskrit, there's also five more. The instruments uh, of manipulation, the instruments of locomotion, the instruments of sound production and evacuation and uh, reproduction. Those are the karma Indriya. So the, the tongue actually is, is, is the structure that's in both categories. Uh, it's both a, the only one that's both Gyan Indriya for tasting and karmindriya for acting, making sound. 
So it's important focus for this reason. Uh, so beginning with the tongue, that means we chant and we honor prasadam. And we engage it in both ways from the very beginning. And these two practices, even a totally unqualified person can sit down and engage in. And it's effective uh, for everybody, both of them. Uh, so beginning with the tongue, then swayam evas parachyata, then certainly, then um, those things, uh, Krishna's name, form, and so on, they become manifest. In other words, when the senses are engaged in this way, they become uh, enabled or empowered. We should say re-enabled or re-empowered because originally, originally, this is what the senses are for. Uh, this is what language is for, uh, for the glorification of Krishna. And this, the, the instruments uh, that, that, that compose our body, I mean, a, a form or a body is just an organized array of these indriyas. Uh, so the whole thing, the whole thing is, is, is originally there for service to Krishna. Now we've put them to a different use. That use is called sense gratification. As a result of that use, uh, all our instruments have become incapacitated. And also our mind, which is the eleventh, has also become incapacitated. So at this point, Krishna disappears. And uh, he's there, actually. You see him all the time, but you don't. Uh, you cannot recognize him, you cannot uh, grasp him uh, because of the incapacitated uh, uh, senses. So it's a fact that, that, that Krishna is part of the content of every moment of our experience. There's nothing we see that Krishna doesn't without Krishna seeing it first, nothing we hear without Krishna's hearing it first. He's always the middle term of any relationship that we have. Unless it's with Krishna directly, then there's two. But otherwise, he's the middle term. But the, for most people, we don't know. So, the point of devotional service, uh, or of sadhana, is, is to restore ourselves to this, this original condition. So, this explains why we do not experience the actual holy name and we have to go through some practice or some process, some sadhana in order to be able to do this and it's a regular cultivation and I also want to point out that this the exact parallel process is there with Srimad Bhagavatam Srimad Bhagavatam can be considered as one gigantic holy name because uh, what is the name of Krishna? <coughs> it, it simply any quality, uh, uh, sh shape, form, quality or activity that Krishna does, there's a name. Mm -hmm. uh, like we, the name Krishna, all attractive. That's that's a, a quality that we particularly want to emphasize, and so we we like that name. Uh, Rama, one who feels and who gives the highest bliss. These are short names. Um, uh, the names can get quite long. Uh, we sing every morning. Yamuna Tiravanachari. That's a that's a name of Krishna. Somebody could be if they somebody wanted to burden them with many syllables. Yamuna Tiravanachari Das. You could do that because it, it, it simply means. The one who, uh, chari means wanders on the, the vana, the, 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 the groves of the forest, uh, tira on the bank of the Jamuna. That's Krishna. Uh, that's his name. So you can just keep, you know, adding and adding and adding and adding. If you look at the, the poetry by the, the Goswami, sometimes they do have names that are you know, run several lines, a single name with these little com Sanskrit compounds, they, they run uh, whole verses practically. Uh, so, so the Bhagavatam, it, because it's simply, again, describes Krishna, is, uh, is 
the same as the holy name. And Prabhupada has told us that the Bhagavatam, if we read, if we hear Bhagavatam properly, uh, Krishna will appear directly in the pages. It won't be a mediated experience. Uh, you, you know, if, 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 if you read a book, it's mediated. If the writer is skillful uh, and the, the writer is describing, uh, say, walking through New York City, and he'll talk about Fifth Avenue and describe the Empire State Building and the strange humanoid life forms on the streets and all those different things. And if the writer's really good, you, you can feel the subways rumbling beneath your feet and the traffic crawling by at a snail's pace and the, uh, all the different uh, things that happen. And you can imagine yourself there. Uh, the book won't put you on the sidewalks of New York <coughs> directly, but imagine a book that would. The Bhagavatam, actually, because it's none different from Krishna, brings you directly to those pastimes. So we'll discover that the Bhagavatam actually has to be cultivated. There's a Bhagavatam sadhana, and it's exactly the same principles as apply to the holy name. Uh, so, and also we can, we can understand this International Society for Krishna Consciousness uh, as really Prabhupada's attempt to create a society where the Bhagavatam and the holy name can be most efficiently cultivated. And almost everything that we do is for this purpose of, of cultivation of the holy name or cultivation of the Bhagavatam. It's a culture. Um, when we receive initiation, uh, uh, initiation into the holy name, uh, the word initiation means to begin. And of course, most of us uh, have begun already to some extent, but then there's a formal acknowledgement of a, of a beginning. And um, it's, like, it's like being admitted into a college. Uh, in English, it's called matriculation. You know, when you're formally registered and signed up and ready to take the course, uh, you may have studied this stuff before, you may have prepared yourself by going to school and taking examinations and everything, but now you're a registered student and there's certain expectations uh, of, of you. Uh, you have to, at least in America, you have to attend the classes, hand in your assignments, take the final exams. Get the, uh, there, there's commitments have been made. And so, what initiation means, at least, is, is we are committing ourselves now to this process. Uh, otherwise, we can chant the holy name without such a commitment. Many people do that. But once initiation means, now I'm committed to following the process of cultivation of the holy name. <coughs> and I'm going to follow the process all the way to the end. As I said, it's process toward a goal. That goal is Krishna Prema. That's our accepted goal. We are after pure, pure love of Krishna. And um, this process has been uh, uh, quite well analyzed and thought out. And because uh, there, there, it's an applied process, of knowledge. Prabhupada often calls, calls, calls Krishna consciousness a science. In English we have the book The Science of Self-Realization. And Prabhupada has used this word science a lot. And he's not just merely, he's not trying to expropriate this word so to give ourselves some of the prestige that belongs to physics or chemistry. He's translating, he's translating a Sanskrit word Vigyana. You know that word? I mean, uh, write it on the board. Everybody's familiar with it. They acknowledge. You know, 
It's, uh, you take the word jnana, which means knowledge. Uh, just like, uh, yeah. That. And so Prabhupada says jnana means uh, theoretical knowledge or book knowledge. Knowledge that's, it's Vedic knowledge, comes from the Vedas, but it's theoretical or uh, yeah, book understanding. Uh, but then you add this, this, this prefix, uh, B. In Sanskrit, this prefix is a kind of all-purpose intensifier. You know? There's karma, for example, which is the, the re reactions to your work, and there's vikarma, which is really bad reactions to your work. So it could be either good or bad, but it just makes it more. <laughs> Uh, and so, vijnana means um, realized knowledge uh, or knowledge in practical application. So Prabhupada says in one place, he says, knowledge means information that is contained in the Vedas. So he's thinking of this word, jnana. And it is scientific, vijnana. Uh, because it is realized by the student uh, from his own experience. So that, that's what he means by, by science, that it becomes uh, practiced. Uh, Vigyana, applied process of knowledge. So we have to know what the applied process is. And it's, it's systematic and um, is in well-defined stages of spiritual advancement to the goal. That is uh, outlined in the other text, um, also from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu originally. Ado Shraddha Tata Sadhusangota Bhajana Kriya Tato. So this lists the sequence. You see in the last line, Pradur Bhave Bhavet Kramaha. The word Kramaha means sequence or chronological order. These are the sequence of stages that a sadhakana, a sadhaka, one who's practicing sadhana, that a sadhaka undergoes toward the development of Krishna Prema. Uh, first there will be Shraddha. Although in the beginning the initial thing is Shraddha. Uh, that means, in this case, a preliminary uh, confidence or interest in Krishna consciousness. Shraddha is here in the beginning as the first stage, but as you develop, Shraddha gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, that's one you can measure a devotee's progress on this, this scale by the, by the, the uh, firmness of Shraddha. One of the reasons the Shraddha be becomes stronger is because you gain experience. You see that the process is actually working working, and your faith naturally becomes stronger. <coughs> also you get Shraddha because of just plain mercy. But another one there is also this component to it. So in the beginning there is Shraddha. Here in the synonyms the Prabhupada says firm faith or disinterest that is uh, uh, indifference to material affairs and interest in spiritual advancement. That's basically you're, you're, you're not curious enough to come. And thereafter, because of that, that interest in spiritual affairs, there'll be sadhu sangha, association with sadhus, with pure devotees. Uh, that is at least people who are practicing Krishna consciousness in a pure way. Um, and because of that association, the next thing that will happen will be this bhajana kriya. <coughs> uh, and here, uh, Prabhupada says in the word for word, performance of devotional service to Krishna, surrendering to the spiritual master, and being encouraged by the association of devotees so that initiation takes place. So this initiation is uh, typically in the indication of the bhajana kriya. As I said, it's that commitment now 
to follow through with the rest of this process that I've made. And, and now, and now because I, I take vows and make commitments, the stakes are higher. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, the, you, you, you've, you've, uh, uh, there's a, the, on the one side, it's to your great advantage, but also it's very bad if, having made those vows, you break them. It becomes, it becomes also a problem. Whereas before you may not have had that problem. Uh, now, you've, now you've made some promises and some commitments. Um, then after that, there will be Anartha Nirvitti. And uh, this Anartha Nirvitti uh, means the removal of unwanted things from the heart. Anartha. Artha means something that's valuable. Sometimes it's used just for money because that's a valuable thing. Economic development is Artha. But it just generally means something that's worthwhile. So things that are not worthwhile, un things you don't want, are called Anarthas. And so Nivriti, they have to they have to disappear from the heart. Uh, this is where the problems tend to begin really uh, for most devotees is this this is the one that's things go on in a fairly fast clip often from up to Anartanirvitti and then, then suddenly there are many problems and difficulties the unwanted things are, are uh, sins uh, lust, greed and anger, sinful desires uh, and offenses offenses against the holy name Principally, but there are also uh, uh, some of those offense, offenses against the holy name include other offenses, offenses to Vaishnavas. There's also Seva Aparad, offenses in worshiping a deity, Dham Aparad, offenses to a holy. Um, all these different things are all anarthas, things that stand in the way of your progress and have to be removed. Anartha Nirvitti. And what we are going to actually focus on in this, uh, this uh, course is this stage, Anartha Nirvitti. This is where the people tend to get bogged down and uh, give up and so on. After that, though, as you've successfully negotiated the Nartanivriti, then again things tend to move along at a fairly rapid clip. Uh, after that is Nishta. Nishta means what Prabhupada always said, fixed up. One becomes fixed in Krishna consciousness. Before uh, Nartanivriti, One's bhajan, one's, one's performance of devotional service is anishtata, unsteady, up and down, and goes through various stages, uh, various phases. Uh, and afterwards, nishtata, it's steady. And so when Prabhupada always talked about getting fixed up in devotional service, this nishta platform, uh, although you, you can fall away after nishta, it is rare. Yeah, it's possible to happen, but Nishta means it doesn't happen that much. Mm. I mean, you you can you can fall down from uh, all the way, but the, you know, at, uh, you can fall down even up to the penultimate stage, uh, second to last stage. But uh, after Nishta is Ruchi. And the next thing will be is Ruchi. Ruchi means a taste. Specifically, it means a taste for the act activities of devotional service. I mean, all along, of course, there's been some taste. Uh, it doesn't mean that up until then you didn't like it at all. There is some taste. Uh, and, but now this becomes very prominent, and uh, 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 it's there, and it's there all the time. Uh, so it's a taste for the activities of Krishna consciousness. It means that one would just naturally rather do these things than do any material engagement 
You know, if sitting on the table is Japa beads and a remote control for the television set, you just rather have the Japa beads. You don't have to even go through any shall I, shall I not. <laughs> you rather. Uh, um, unless, of course, it's anyway, Krishna conscious television. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so this is a taste. Uh, and actually, the, the, this, these are explained in great detail in the Madhurya Kandamani of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. <coughs> that's worth studying uh, to, to find out some details. But he says that Ruchi has, has two uh, uh, stages. In the lower stage, your taste depends upon the, he just calls it the excellence of the elements. In other words, um, that when, when uh, kirtan is nicely sung in tune uh, by people who have good voices and with uh, uh, a rhythm section that actually can count, uh, you have a taste for it. Uh, when, when at the higher stage you don't care, person can't carry a tune, the kartals are uh, three different beats, uh, <laughs> different. you don't care. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a kirtan and it's wonderful. Uh, it's better than you know, the most well-performed uh, uh, material uh, kind of a thing. I actually, once I understood this, it explained something that always really bothered me. Uh, as someone who spent time as a writer and sometimes as an editor, I, I heard this description and glorification of Bhakti Siddhanta that somebody would submit an article for a magazine and he would simply count the number of times the word Krishna appeared. And if it was a lot, he liked the article. And I, I thought, you know, well, you know, what is that? You know? I could just imagine this really, you know, illiterate article with the name Krishna a lot. But that's the high stage of Ruchi, is what that is. You know. I don't recommend this for editors. <laughs> huh? Just on that point, somebody quoted that exact um, habit of Bhaktisiddhanta. It was to do with the child case, child abuse. Uh -huh. It was a newspaper clipping, and one question raised in an istigosi on the subject was, well, aren't some of the articles good, even about all this child abuse, because mm -hmm. if the name of Krishna is mentioned mm -hmm. ten times in the article, isn't there some benefit? Yes, there's a benefit. It's better to get it in another way. But no, this comes from Prabhupada, actually, when, when there were very nasty articles about us in Chicago, about the book distribution. <coughs> Prabhupada made that remark about the... Uh, that also bothered me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you just have to understand that there are platforms. <laughs> In which you can always find, and the devotee always looks for the, the good qualities of something. <laughs> but we do not seek to, to have people say the name Krishna in that way. That's a fact. Uh, anyway, that's the higher stage of Ruchi. You don't care. You know, when Prabhupada appreciate a child's drawing of Krishna very much, uh, as much as, uh, you know, a skillful artist. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's a taste. The taste is there, and then ata uh, asakti. Asakti means uh, literally addiction. Uh, and this is uh, while as ruchi refers to the activities of devotional service, asakti refers to Krishna himself. You become addicted to Krishna, and not only addicted to thinking about Krishna but actually you become more and more addicted to thinking about Krishna in some particular form or pastime or some particular age and you become obsessed with thinking about Krishna in this way uh, and then and that, that particular becomes ultimately uh, out of your response to that develops a rasa and an appropriate spiritual form for associating with Krishna in this particular way. Then, uh, then bhava, which are the, the which include but, but not limited to the physical astasattvika vikara, the symptoms of ecstasy, 
and other things which are more important like not letting a moment be wasted and and being completely uh, unagitated even when there's cause for agitation and other things like that and then finally uh, prema the final stage pure love of Krishna so this is the, this is the sequence um, the very the higher stages are really interesting to know about uh, but the one that's practical for most of us is this anartha nirvritti uh, uh, and uh, because that's where people seem to have the most the most uh, uh, the most difficulties um, um, so you also might remember the verse about, the parallel verse about in Bhagavatam nasta prayeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya abhakva uttama sloke bhakti bhavati naistiki naistiki the devotional service is established as an irrevocable fact those of you who speak English and don't should know that the right pronunciation of that word should you find yourself in learned circles is not irrevocable but irrevocable Anyway, just a pedantic point. <laughs> Maybe sort of some irrevocable fact. Everybody says irrevocable, but if you look in the dictionary, it's irrevocable. Uh, irrevocable fact if, uh, that will not be removed. In other words, nishta. Hmm. So this refers to the same process, this time mainly in the context of Srimad Bhagavatam. Regular, as Prabhupada translates that, by regular attendance in the Bhagavatam class. Uh, all that is, uh, what is it called? Troublesome to the heart. Nasta prayeshu, abhadra yeah. Badra means auspicious things. So abhadra means inauspicious things. Uh, all the inauspicious things in the heart, the dirty things in the heart, are destroyed almost to nil. Prayeshu means almost, completely. Because actually, in the stage of anartha nirvritti, all anarthas are not completely gone because you have a little more to go. Uh, and uh, but the major work is done. Uh, Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur has a very minute analysis of in each stage how much which anarthas or are destroyed and to what extent all all the way up. Uh, uh, and so, but almost. Uh, completely destroyed and devotion is established as an irrevocable fact and in the next verse it goes on to tell us that what's happened is the 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 uh, effects of the modes of passion and ignorance diminish and goodness becomes established like Bhaktivedanta Swami was talking about in class this morning that the the platform even of material goodness is, is, is the platform for further progress uh, uh, in devotional service is necessary. So one should see that by the performance of my bhajana kriya that I should see that lust and greed and anger disappear from the heart. This is a empirical, clinical reaction of the proper chanting of the holy names. Prabhupada said this in a, a lecture, and he said, if they're not, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. And uh, it means that somehow or other, the process has not been uh, followed. Uh, and what it is, is that there are, one is not trying to give up offenses. Uh, uh, one has to be, be practicing on the, at least the, the clearing stage. We'll talk about the stages tomorrow. Uh, but the, the, uh, 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 the, when, when, the, when the clearing stage is arrived at, that's when the, this anartha nivritti takes place. The, the anarthas remove. Because you can chant and an offensive stage, and a pure stage, and there's the immediate clearing stage. Clearing stage is when you're chanting while trying to give up offenses. If you don't do that, no progress. 
I think there's when we quote this Bapu Janma, yeah, Kariyari Shavana Kirtana, you have these ten offenses infested, I mean they're there and they're staying. Uh, uh, you can chant from any births. People worry about I've not made any progress for two years. You can go on like that for many births if one has not uh, come to this uh, this uh, this clearing uh, stage. So, Prabhupada has discussed these things in some interesting conversations, which I, I think are in this uh, 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 outline here. Um, because the process is this, this came up. Um, I'll, I'll do it in chronological order. This came up usually in the context of a, a group of, uh, of, of devotees, who some of them had the idea that all the devotees in this kind were too rigorous and rigid and wrapped too tight, and uh, and uh, obsessed with regulation. Uh, obsessive compulsive types or something like that and the holy name I mean uh, the, there are no hard and fast rules you know you know you have have these 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 uh, one quote uh, pundits you know that the, they, they pick their shloka uh, their words and they they, they use it uh, so there are no hard and fast rules for chanting so that was their their main uh, thing and uh, that we just chant and then everything will develop. So they were like that. Um, the group that originally started in Hawaii, led by Siddhasrupa, in the next conversation you'll see he's involved in this. He was a, a, a yogi uh, named Sai, uh, who who's became attracted and influenced by Krishna consciousness. They joined the movement for some time. He became initiated by by. In Sacramento, they had they had all they had ISKCON books in their in their temple room, Prabhupada's books. But in the back, where it has a list of all the temples, they were all razored out. <laughs> anyway, so so at various times, people became influenced uh, by them. And so Prabhupada is talking about this in Melbourne in 1974. It's page 13 of the handout. Yeah, page 13 of the handout. If you want, I'll take you through this a little bit. So in the very beginning, Prabhupada says, if you still cannot understand what is my instruction, then how can I help you? New students may say like that, but you are intelligent, educated, old students. Uh, so he says, if there is no surrendering, there is no advancement. This is the beginning. If that thing is lacking, uh, there is no beginning even what to speak of advancement. This is the beginning of spiritual master. Then he says, uh, spiritual life. The word is called discipline. Now this is something that Prabhupada says in a number of places. The word is called discipline. Disciple means who accepts discipline. If there is no discipline, where is disciple? And disciplic succession. We have used this word. Not that discipline is finished by one man, there's a quote, huh? Not that discipline is finished by one man. No, it will continue to go by succession. So he's interested that the... And then he goes into this, uh, how uh, nashta, uh, parampara, is destroyed by uh, lack of, of, of discipline. Um, as soon as the discipline is broken, uh, everything is lost. Now you can dance like a dog, that will not affect. And then he's talking about somebody dancing and there was spiritual strength. Um, unless there is spiritual strength, you cannot enthuse other, others. So we should have to acquire spiritual strength by following the regulative principle. Uh, then, uh, then he gives some examples about lips touch. We have to hear from a devotee. Uh, 
you can read this at your leisure. I'm going to skip a little bit. Let me see where I'm going to. Okay, so now he's talking about the necessity of, uh, of uh, to achieve perfection that there has to be discipline. Uh, we recommend anybody go on chanting, but uh, you should follow the instructions. And there he gives the example. And exactly like that, if you ignite wood for fire, if the wood is dry, the fire takes place immediately. And if it is moist, then it takes time. Only smoke will come. So, smoke is not required. The blazing fire required. Then, if from wood, if simply smoke comes out, you cannot take any work of it. There's traces of fire. As soon as there is there's smoke, there is fire, but not useful. It is useful for troubling your eyes only. <laughs> what is smoke? Smoke means also fire. You could say argue like this. Prophet's is saying you have to cook with a fire. So someone could argue, well, if there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> so Prabhupada's answering that. Smoke means also fire, but you require blazing fire, not smoke fire. So blazing fire takes place if the wood is dry. Immediately takes place. Otherwise, you go on enjoying the smoke. Be satisfied. When there's smoke, there's fire. But it will not be useful. Then he says, it will be useful. Gradually, the wood will dry, but it takes long time. So he's not saying it's entirely useless, um, chanting without following the process, but it will take long time. Just try to understand this example. You require the flame, not the smoke. But if you're satisfied with the smoke, that is your business. You may be sad. If you simply be satisfied, the smoke is also fire. Unless there's fire, why the smoke comes? That's a good argument, but smoke will not help you. You require the flame. Uh, the flame cannot produce if the wood is wet. Wet means materially contaminated. So that's his example. Prabhupada, yes, so pure devotional service is flame. All other things are smoke. You must get the flame. Otherwise, your business will not be done. So naturally, when we fan, there is smoke. Pat, pat, pat. As soon as the flame comes, there is no smoke. So again, fan it. Let the flame come, then everything will be all right. Otherwise, be satisfied with the smoke. You are cooking with smoke for 300 years. <laughs> and then he tells another story about a yogi. Uh, then he says, actually, it's a true story. There was some rich man, uh, and uh, the rich man said to the yogi, you know, what have you achieved in, as far as yoga perfections go? And the yogi says, you know, I can, in the winter, the cold winter, I, I can immerse myself up to, up, up to here in freezing water and stay warm by the practice of yoga. Uh, he will not die of uh, hypothermia. How long can you do that? He says, all night, the yogi says. Uh, as long as you want. So in winter time, if you remain within water, the man says, you know, if you do this, and uh, I'll, you know, I'll give you some gifts and dakshin. Uh, so he did it. The yogi went into some stream near the guy's house, put himself in up uh, to his neck or his nose in water, stayed there all night, came back out, and you know, then he didn't. But the man didn't want to give the money. You know. So, uh, so he 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 went he went uh, to the guy's advisor, assistant, or secretary, the rich man's secretary, and said, you know, look, you know, this is going to give your master a bad name. You you have promised. He promised he would do this, and he's going back on his promise. Uh, is there anything you can do? Because uh, the man was saying that there was heat. The servant went to the man, the, the, the secretary went to the man and says, no, no, he cheated because uh, there was a lamp on the top of the building. Prabhupada calls this, it's a Akash Pradeep during Kartika. 
you know, you make a stick and you put a little ghee lamp uh, or oil lamp up there, and so there's a little flame. So the man was uh, was uh, uh, saying that on this, uh, the man was in the lake and looking at the lamp and drawing heat from it. <laughs> and he said, so you cheat cheated. Uh, three miles away, Prabhupada said the lamp was, but uh, anyway, that's what it So there was heat. So then he, oh, he said, then he went to another servant to the same man and said, What, what, uh, you know, look, look what your master's done. He's, he's making this argument. So the servant said, Okay, I'll, I'll see as you get paid. Uh, so then, then what happened is uh, a little while later, the master wanted to go away in urgent business. And said, we have to leave tomorrow early. So cook your breakfast early so we can leave. You, you cook and eat and, and, and we'll go. So that man came to get his servant to leave. And uh, he said, no, uh, I, haven't, I haven't had breakfast yet, the servant said. It's still cooking. So what's taking so long? He went and looked. And there was a cooking pot on a tripod, you know. And the cooking pot was way off the floor, like here. And there was a little fire way down there. And the pot was there. And the man said, you know, hey, look, you know, this, you, this is no way to cook. You have to have fire. And the servant said, well, I thought if the yogi could warm himself on that, that, that lamp on the top of the building, certainly I could cook my rice in this way. On so this way, <laughs> he, uh, he, so he says, so Prabhupada says, a little smoke or a little fire and three miles away, the cooking pot in this way, cooking is useless attempt. One must be serious to cook. There's a method how to cook. If you don't adopt that method, and if you cook in your whimsical way, you'll never be able to eat. If you say, I shall cook in my way, and if you adopt that process, will it help? If you don't follow the injunctions of Shastra, there'll be no perfection, no achievement, no happiness, and so on, quotes like that. Then in another conversation, this is a really interesting one, so I've included the whole thing because the issue about people living, whether people living outside the temple can make advancement comes up, and you see a lot of dynamics. It's a morning walk in Hawaii. Uh, uh, and so uh, uh, Rameshwar is saying that, talking about people who live outside the temple, and feeling that if they just chant, they can go back to the spiritual world, but are not giving up their independence. Um, so Rameshwar says, you know, you have to live in the temple in order to make advancement, basically. Uh, and then Guru Kripa says, they're not even following the regular principles. And Prabhupada said, uh, then Rameshwar says, they think just by chanting, they'll go back to the spiritual world, that is enough. Then Prabhupada says, then what is the meaning of the ten kinds of offenses? If he's chanting without offense, then it is all right. But if he's committing offenses, it will not be effective. There are ten kinds of offenses. Whether he is strictly offenseless, then it is all right. If he's offender, it will not be fruitful. It will be fruitful. Here's again, it will not be fruitful. Well, yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it will be fruitful, but it will take a long time. First of all, you have to become offenseless. Then you will be admitted, that is, to the uh, spiritual world. And then, he, then Prabhupada points out that if one is thinking that I can just chant and go on sinning, then that's the tenth offense against the holy man. This is a big offense. No, no, I mean the seventh offense. Sinning on the strength of chanting the holy name. And that's a great offense. And then here, uh, 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 Prabhupada gives the same example. Uh, if you kindle fire and at the same time pour water, it will take a long time. You have to have it dry, then it will be quickly successful. So you are committing offenses at the same time chanting. So by chanting effect, you will come to that stage, but it will take time. If you want to be transferred to the spiritual world, you want to ignite the fact they, they, they would very quickly. So we've already gone through that example. Chanting Hare Krishna will not go in vain. 
even if it's offense offensive and you're not doing anything about the offenses, but it will take time. Um, but then notice who's here, Siddha Sarut. The, I guess the guy who's the bone of contention at this point, or some of his followers. And then Siddhasrup said, well, it's, you know, that's not fair to say to all the people living outside the temple are, are uh, 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 fallen. He said, there's some living, living outside who are, are uh, strictly following, chanting their rounds, having art, morning arti in their home and everything. And Prabhupada said, he said, whether you live in temple or outside temple, the rules and regulations and the process must be followed. Then you are successful. So he didn't really give in to what, uh, you know, you, you can't, uh, I, I think, I think the, the management at that time wanted all these people back in the temple so they could go on book distribution. But um, um, So Prabhupada says here, um, uh, he says, yes, it's, it's necessary, it's, it's very helpful to agree with, to live with devotees. Um, but he says, not that everyone has to live in the temple. If he does not agree with other god-brothers, he can live separately. But he must follow the rules and regulations. That is wanted. If you live with the devotees, it will be automatically done. Siddhasrup says, easy. There it is recommended that you live with devotees. But if you cannot agree with the devotees, you've got your own opinion. Then you cannot make new opinion as far as the process is concerned. That must be followed. Uh, this is not a good idea that whatever I do it is my independence I'll chant uh, so that is good that he's chanting in the sense that someday he'll come to his senses otherwise for the time being the chanting is not very powerful the fire in wet wood is not powerful it will create some smoke and then again he talks about this example and he talks about a patient following a, a, a disease so he needs to, you need to chant in such a way that gradually you come to the offenseless stage. Uh, then uh, there's some other interesting little discussions. Um, and then Rameswar says, well, you want to come back to the temple because if they're outside the temple, they can't participate in the Sankirtan movement. And then Prabhupada says, uh, if he does not join the Sankirtan party, that does not mean his spiritual life is hampered. He has to follow the rules and regulations. He may not be able to join in the Sankirtan party, but he must follow the process, rules and regulations. That is wanted. And because he's living out the, outside the temple, therefore he for, will forget all rules and regulations and do whatever he likes, then it will ruin the whole thing. And then a devotee says, well, if it's fast, if you live in the temple of Goan Sankirtan, and Prabhupada said, that depends. Even in the temple, if his mind is in a different subject matter, then how it will help him. So uh, Prabhupada's being very uh, accurate here. And then he comes to himself, how for so many years he was living outside the temple. <laughs> they forgot about that. <laughs> uh, and Prabhupada says... Uh, uh, for me personally, I had the opportunity to talk with my spiritual master not more than ten times in my whole life. Not more. It may be less than that, but I tried to follow his instructions, that's all, although I was a grahasta. And Prabhupada says, this is the process. Wherever you live, if you follow strictly the instructions of Guru, then you remain perfect. But if we create concoct ideas against instruction of Guru, then we are doomed. Hell. <laughs> He says. So anyway, there's more interesting things uh, in here, uh, but uh, we've come to the end of time. So you can see Prabhupada's instructions on this matter are quite clear: the necessity of discipline, following the process, uh, which means chanting while uh, uh, coming on the uh, onto the uh, toward, working toward the offenseless uh, uh, stage. Any questions? Yes? Well, we were saying that even if someone is chanting with offenses, so his, his progress, he will make progress, but his progress will be very slow. 
slow. Yeah. I was thinking that the person has to come to point Yes, he does. But what we'll see, um, what we'll see, we can clarify a little bit of what Prabhupada is talking about. Uh, what, he, what he's talking about is not, it's not that instantly you come to the offenseless stage, but you have to at least be on the clearing stage. Your Prabhupada talks about there's three stages. Offensive, where you're chanting while committing offenses and not really doing anything about it. Not concerned about it or there's some offense that you're committing and not doing something about. Uh, or there's still offenses but you're trying to give up those offenses. That's the clearing stage. And when the offenses are completely gone, that's the offenseless stage. So to go through a Nartanirvitti one has to be at least on the clearing, the clearing stage, and that'll be clear tomorrow. What those three stages are. Okay. Anything else? Any other questions? Shri Prabhupada ki jai.